you have a niche show that reaches, you know, a few hundred people every week or every month, and they're in a hard to reach niche, though, that's an incredibly valuable audience. Welcome to the Content 10X Podcast, the show where content creators learn how to harness the power of content repurposing. And now, your host, Amy Woods. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Content 10X Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Woods, and this week's episode is all about knowing and understanding your audience. Now, it's a guest interview and I have someone fantastic to introduce you to. My guest this week is Rand Fishkin. Now, Rand is the co-founder and CEO of audience research company Spark Toro. He's also the co-founder and former CEO of Mars. So Rand led Mars up to 2017, but since 2018, it's been all about Spark Toro, which is what we'll be talking about today. Now, Rand has dedicated his professional life to helping people do better marketing through his writing, speaking, startups, and his book, Lost and Founder. Rand, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Amy. Great to be here. Now, it says in your bio that if you bribe Rand with great pasta or great cocktails, he'll spill big tech's dark secrets. So I wanted to let you know there's lots of pasta and cocktails on the way to you, Rand, so you can spill all these secrets. Oh, Amy, well, I have uh, I have bad news about what Facebook's been doing to all of us. <laughs> so what is your favorite pasta then, Rand? Clearly, you're a big pasta fan. What's the favorite? Boy, um... Favorite is really hard in something you love so much. And, and I do love variety. I, let's see, I, I cook a lot of carbonara. Um, I love, I love great pesto, but it is very, it's very difficult to make. Um, I'll probably, I'll probably try and make some this week actually, because uh, the basil is in season and I should, I should give it a go. I ordered a whole bunch of uh, pine nuts from Italy, which are, very hard to get. I'm jealous in the UK, you can get uh, amazing Italian ingredients here in the United States. It's quite a bit more challenging getting my hands on guanciale. Forget about it. You know, I got to really? order a whole side. I, I basically <laughs> have a giant, you know, whatever, a pig's calf in my, <laughs> in my fridge. So yeah, yeah we yeah. are that we are, I guess, lucky with our proximity there. I mean, it's like flying to California for me. You know, I fly to California all the time. We have family down there, so I go all the time. For you, that's Italy. Ugh. It is. Yeah, I know. I absolutely love Italy and, and Italian cuisine and pasta is one of my favorites as well. Okay, so I have to just ask about the cocktails as well. So um, if you could only have one cocktail for the rest of your life, what would it be? Gosh, I have become very happy with uh, the Boulevardier which is like nice a little bit like an old-fashioned but modified Uh, i i think the combination of of bourbon and orange and lemon is top-notch i love campari and drinks so Mm. i like a little bitter and a little sweet nice i recently got this uh i don't know if neo exists in the u.s but there's this company called neo and you get these uh handcrafted italian cocktails sent delivered to your house um 
and they're in these really cool sachets you only have to add ice so you just pour it onto ice and you know it sounds like a bit like cocktails in a sachet pour onto ice how could good could it be they're amazing absolutely amazing um so yeah all that you mentioned just then came in a package recently (laughs) We, we had a we had a bartender friend who um he mixed some drinks at his house for us and then them you know vacuum sealed them in plastic packets like that it's the same yeah yeah, and dropped them off for us it was i mean it's just the sweetest gift yeah it works yeah it's amazing (laughs) well pasta cocktails we could just have an entire episode about that but um, this is that is what great content is all about right you you find something that you love and you share it with other people and what, what could be better Exactly. (laughs) Well, everybody who listens to this podcast, I'm sure is going to be super excited to have you on um, today to listen to what we have to talk about. We're talking to we're talking to business owners and marketers, and I just absolutely love Spark Toro. And I want to just shine a light on that, talk about that and talk about, you know, the ways we can use it and and so on. First question I have for you is, what was the problem that you set out to solve with Spark Toro? Yeah, uh, you know, when I worked at Moz, Moz is in the search engine optimization space, right? So I started this company, I mean, in, in my early 20s, you know, I dropped out of school, started working with my mom, was my co-founder at, at, at Moz. And so, you know, I was trying to help people rank better in search engines, but like Google, um, and then eventually Google ran away with the market and that became the only search engine that we were helping folks with. And um the challenge many times when I was helping a startup or an entrepreneur or, or um, a company marketers who said, hey, you know, my audience doesn't search for the thing that I provide. They don't go to Google and type in, I need this, you know, whatever. I want a cocktail delivered to my house. People, people don't search for that. They don't know to search for that. It does, it's not really a category that exists. And so if you are Neo and you're selling these cocktails, instead of marketing by ranking number one for cocktail home delivery, which gets very little searches, maybe no searches at all, you, you need to go find people who would be likely cocktail consumers who are interested in delivery and then present your message and whatever, get reviewed in the food magazines and the cocktail journals and be covered by, you know, whatever the, the sources that bartenders read and be covered by people, people who are making home cocktails. You want to advertise there and you want to be on their podcasts and you want to uh, have those, you know, be part of the events that they go to that that's much more challenging um, because those sources of influence, the, you know, the, the vast variety of everything from a, whatever, a trade journal to a conference or event, to a podcast, to a video channel, to a bunch of social accounts across different platforms and websites, just figuring out what does my audience pay attention to is extremely difficult. It's so difficult that many marketers just outsource it to Google and Facebook. They just throw money at those, those two companies and say, you figure out the display and social ad targeting for me because I, I don't know where to reach my customers and I'll, I'll pay whatever you know, penalty in terms of cost I have to. That's the problem we wanted to solve, right? Take, take the power back from the duopoly of Google and, and Facebook's advertising and put, give the ability to do smart kinds of marketing, whether that's advertising or organic marketing of all kinds, 
put that power back in the hands of people who uh, want to get their message out there and can't necessarily do it through search. Yeah, absolutely. For anybody who hasn't used Spark Tarot or seen it so far, could you just explain, you know, what it does? So how yeah. it works, what it does? Sure, sure. Um, so simplest simplest explanation might be a, a, a quick um walkthrough, which, which would be, let's, let's imagine that we are this company, Neo, and we are trying to reach people who are interested in cocktails. So we might say, okay, well, we have to, we have to think of some behavior that our, our audience has. And SparkTour has a bunch of different ways to search. So there's a little drop down on the homepage, right? And you can just select from one of the drop downs. You could say, okay, my audience um, frequently talks about cocktails. That's a simple starting point. Uh, you could also use that drop down and say, my audience um, frequently uses the hashtag and you could put uh, cocktails, right? Hashtag cocktails. Great. That, that could be an easy one. Uh, my audience uses these words in their bio. Huh? Well, maybe if there are people in the, um, in the beverage industry who, are, who could potentially help amplify and, and talk about, maybe we're looking for bartenders or mixologists. So we're going to put in bartender or mixologist. And now SparkToro um, we'll go do a search across the, we have about 77, 78 million profiles, public profiles in our database. They're all gathered from essentially social media sites and websites. So, you know, we might go to Amy, we might go, oh, here's uh, Amy's Twitter account. And that links to her LinkedIn account and her Facebook and her uh, YouTube profile. And uh, here's her Instagram. And that, that's one profile for us. And then SparkToro will search across the words and phrases that you use in your bio on Twitter and LinkedIn and Instagram and whatever, um, if, if those accounts are public. And we'll then say, oh, okay, great. So that uh, he, here we have 13,522 uh, profiles that in the last 90 days have used the hashtag cocktails or um, have the word in their bio bartender. Okay. Well, there you go. And what, what is the behavior of those people? Why, once we find those 13,000 people, we don't show a list of them, right? So you would never come back in the search results. We wouldn't show any personally identifiable information about you. But we would say of those 13,000 bartenders or people who use the hashtag cocktails or whatever, here are social accounts that they follow in the percentage order that they do. So 22.1% follow uh, Imbibe Magazine online. Oh. I've never heard of Imbibe Magazine. I don't know anything about it, but apparently it's big with bartenders. Let me go check them out. Oh, cool. They take guest editorials. We should get, we should write one for them. Or, oh, you can pitch them stories. There's the PR contact. Okay, let's, let's have, uh, let's contact them and get them to cover our new launch in Birmingham or whatever it is, right? That, that's exactly the kind of thing that folks use SparkToro for. And, you know, obviously SparkToro shows all sorts of data. It'll show you social accounts and podcasts and YouTube channels and websites, all these things that people pay attention to, read, watch, visit. And this really solves this, that, that truly painful, um, hard to get data of what does my audience pay attention to and to what degree do they pay attention to it? And does it drill down into like demographics in terms of uh, like geographic location? So um, perhaps you want to drill down to people who like cocktails in New York, let's say. So let's see, we, we have received some requests for more demographics. Right now, geography is the big one. 
Yep. So geography, you can do, there's a, there's a little add location button. You just click the add location link and say, okay, I want to find people who've used the hashtag cocktails in New York in the last hundred days. And obviously that audience will be much smaller, only about a little under 30% of public social profiles declare a location. So, you know, I, I on my, uh, I think on my LinkedIn, you know, it says that I'm in Seattle, Washington. So, hey, there you go. But for a lot of people, um, A, their LinkedIn is um, uh, either private or, you know, only their first degree connections can see it, which means we're like a public web, web crawler like Google. Mm -hmm. So we can only see what Google sees. Um, and, and therefore, you know, we wouldn't necessarily be able to see the location. But for, um, for most queries, if you add a location, you know, you'll reduce the number of people a lot, but you can get, yes, very specific information like, oh, New York Magazine has a, whatever, a cocktail section, and that's really well followed, or it has a social account associated with um, mixology, and that's very well followed by New Yorkers who are into cocktails, right? Okay, mm -hmm. that, that's the one I should pitch when I do my New York launch. Um, yeah. New York is a great one because there's lots of people in New York. If you were trying, you know, if you're trying to launch it in, um, I don't know, the Peaks District, well, you know, there's, there's not that much social activity from profiles specifically in the Peaks District in the UK, so it could be more challenging. That would be fair enough, yeah. I think it's really interesting that you get all the data, as you said, so it's all, um, it's it's crawling like publicly available data and then bringing that all together and then providing insights because, of course, you know, data is one thing, but it's the insights that we need from the data to make decisions. Uh, the other day, I got this email from a company or I saw online, uh, it was a free trial for some podcast um, information, like podcast data. And being in the industry and I thought, this sounds interesting. It's, it was a paid for product and it was access to data. The selling proposition was was along the lines of getting download information and all this information about oh, yeah. podcasts, which I thought was Kind of interesting because that isn't publicly available information. And I was thinking, hmm, I wonder like how accurate this is and not sure about this. So free trial and I signed up for the free trial and I got access to, you know, my podcast and my show, but our clients as well. So I had a look to see the accuracy of this data and it was, it was not accurate at all. It was mm. not even close in um, some in many regards and also overstated like a little bit understated on a couple but actually really overstated and that was really interesting because to me they were selling data that's what what the, the sell was selling access to data but they were actually selling inaccurate data in what I had seen it's not I was going to say it's a similar category to yours in the sense of selling access to data and information. And I wondered what you thought about businesses like this that exist in a similar category to the world that you exist in. What Have you seen things like this before? Sure. I like aggregating data and I like being able to make educated guesses, you know, based on sort of building up a, a smart algorithm to try and infer you know, the, the popularity or influence or impact of something. So SparkToro does a little something like this. We have a, a, um, a tool and a, it's a free tool and a score called SparkScore. And essentially SparkScore is crawling. Um, I think the public version of the tool call, crawls tw a Twitter account 
And so you can plug in any Twitter account and see um, essentially the relative level of engagement that the account's tweets receive compared to the audience size, the total number of followers that they have. So, you know, you see really interesting things like I technically have, you know, 450,000 odd followers, right? So a lot of followers on Twitter, but the engagement rate that I get given my audience size is actually not that great, right? It's kind of, it's kind of in the middle on the average side. So if I send a tweet, you know, it'll be seen by maybe thousands to tens of thousands of people. Uh, my wife, Geraldine, who's a, a, an author and a humorist, um, she has a very popular Twitter account with not quite a quarter of my following, right? So about 100,000 or so people, which is still a lot. But when she sends a tweet, it is seen by often five to 10 times more people than when I send one. And SparkScore is trying to illustrate that, right? It's trying to say like, oh, you know, at Everywhereist, her spark score is whatever, 85 or something. And at Randfish, my account is like a 55 or something. So, you know, the follower count is not the whole story. I like data sources like that, but you bring up a great point, Amy, with your podcast one. When you go investigate a data source and you, you know, everybody does the same thing, right? They plug in their own podcast, their own website, their own social account, whatever it is. When the data comes back and it's not accurate for you, you distrust it for everyone else. And so it, it makes it tough, right? As a, as a data provider and an aggregator, you have to be very conscientious of um, the degree to which you care about accuracy, especially in the sort of chunky middle and long tail of, of the ecosystem that you're working in. So I help a company called SimilarWeb, um, which just went public. They just had their IPO, I think yesterday. Um, and I like that company a lot. They, um, I've done a bunch of interesting research with them and, and published it on SparkToro's blog. And SimilarWeb collects data from like 100 million or more devices all around the world. They, they buy some data third party and they have some apps that collect the data. And so they're looking at URLs that are visited in browsers, right? On your desktop or on your mobile device. And they aggregate all that data together. And then they try and guess the traffic of every website. So you can plug in any website you want to SimilarWeb and they'll give you a traffic estimate. And SimilarWeb is way more accurate um, if a site gets millions of visitors a month and it gets pretty darn inaccurate if a site gets hundreds of visitors a month. Yeah. Right? In the long tail, it's just not there. And that's usually the case with a lot of these tools and products. Um, so I have empathy for, you know, this free trial that you started up, but also I, I feel like, you know, as those providers, you gotta, you gotta be transparent with your methodology. Tell people how you're getting the data, where you're getting it from, what's going into the scores and the numbers and the guesses. Um, that that's, you know, that's how people can determine whether you're valuable or not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because I think this one in particular, it was trying to aid the, I guess the sponsorship, um, like the revenue generating aspects of the oh, industry. Sure. So, you know, it's, it's gotta be, you know, accurate, uh, to a certain extent, but then, you know, you do additional due diligence if you're going to start spending money, I guess. So <laughs> it's, it's an, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hey, just a little break from this podcast episode to ask you a question. 
Would you like one single place that you can go to that provides you with everything you need to be able to implement the best practices in content repurposing for your video content, your podcast episodes, and your social media content today? To help you get more value from the content that you create, get more time back, and help you reach more people than you ever thought possible. If so, then you are going to love the Content 10X Toolkit. The toolkit is full of video tutorials, templates, checklists, swipe files, step-by-step guides, and more that shows you how to repurpose your content in the best ways possible today. No more Googling, no more figuring it out yourself. We provide you with everything that you need to become a content repurposing pro. If this sounds like something that would interest you, then go check out the Content 10X Toolkit at content10x.com forward slash toolkit. Okay, I'm back to this week's episode. What's interesting, I guess, Spark Toro, it's it's all, it's a new category. It's a new kind of world, isn't it? And it's a new category and you, you're leading the way and kind of trailblazing, you know, this audience insights, tools that you can get where it's the aggregator of all this information just in the click of a finger and you get all this information, which is just what's so fantastic about it. Um, say, say for a podcaster, so... How do you see podcasters using um, Spark Toro? Sure. Uh, so the, the two use cases that we hear the most from podcasters who've, who've been using the product is uh, number one, they use it for guest selection, right? So a podcaster might say, hey, I really want to reach, you know, if you're in a B2B niche, I really want to reach um, uh, CFOs in Canada, right? So I'm, look, I'm looking at, you know, what do they pay attention to? What do they read? What do they follow? Who do they follow? Who do they engage with? Oh, okay. Um, you know, maybe it's uh, Michelle Romanow from from ClearBank, and oh man, could could we get her on the show on the podcast? Because look, you know, sixty two percent or thirty eight percent or whatever of of uh, CFOs in Canada follow her. Boy, if we could bring her to the show, that would that would really resonate. So that that is one use case, and a lot of folks. Um, use SparkToro for guest selection. You know, it's got hundreds of results in there. So you can kind of go down the list and see if you can find a perfect person who also has some, some overlap with the right audience. And then the second use case um, that we've talked to podcasters about is uh, topics. So essentially they'll, they'll plug in and say, hey, those CFOs in Canada, they're really interested in, oh gosh, you know, I wouldn't have necessarily thought this, but I see that cryptocurrency is a hashtag that many of them have used in the last 90 days. I don't know if wh- whether they're doing that because they're interested in it or they're skeptical of it or they're frustrated by it. What, but whatever the case is, that's a topic of interest. Let's do an episode on that topic, right? And so that, it's it's really about identifying the both the interests of your guests, right? Because SparkToro shows you words and phrases and hashtags that those people use in their posts, their public posts. And it gives you information about what they follow so that you can find people or sources of influence to, to bring onto the program. Maybe there's a, you know, whatever, very popular company in your sector and you go, okay, can, I, can we find someone from that company who has experience there? Let's bring them on the show. Um, and this, in this way, you're doing what every great content creator does, which is essentially serving your audience's interests. Yeah, absolutely. It's so funny you should say the first thing you said was finding guests because, so I had a meeting with our client 
uh, I don't know, like a few weeks ago. And mm. we were talking about, uh, I can't remember, we, there was a project we were working on and, and we, we started talking all about like finding guests and things like that. And I said, have you used Spark Toro? And well, it was, it was Jay Bear. So Jay said, used it. Like we were one of the first people to, we were given like, uh, like the earliest access you could yeah, imagine. Yeah, yeah. To it was it. one of our beta um, testers. Yeah, we, actually, we were talking about something. We were talking about audience insights, and I said, "Have you seen Spot Tour? So he laughed, and he was like, uh, "You know, I was probably one of the first people to use it." And then he said to me, "We've been using it to um, find guests. You know, we've been, mm. it's been great in the way that you said, like finding out more about their audience." And it was on that day after speaking to Jay that I emailed you to see if you would be so kind as to come on the show because um, we, we'd we been talking about, you know, its uses. And I'd been talking to my team about its uses for doing some research for um, content we've been creating. And I thought it's in the space of a few days, we've been speaking about this and I'd love to have a conversation about it further. So it's so funny that you would say that because it was a conversation about that. That's why, <laughs> why you were talking today. So <laughs> there you go, long story <laughs> um, love it love it and another angle so paid marketing so mm-hmm. when you are you know going down the route of paid marketing in the digital world and you are defining and refining your audience and the well yeah so let's say Facebook advertising where you're trying to hone in on targeting certain audiences if you had lots of great feedback that people off those platforms can really refine what a good targeted audience would be for then paid marketing approaches on some of these other platforms yeah um to be to be totally honest I mean I did not anticipate that SparkToro was going to be an advertising tool, but uh, in just the first you know six months that we after we launched last year, yeah, there was <laughs> there was a number of folks who were in um, you know paid search, paid social in particular, paid social probably the heaviest one, and display advertising, who basically you know SparkToro is like a godsend for them because. Facebook has made the advertising interface since sort of the Cambridge Analytica scandal, right? They've reduced your ability to do great kinds of targeting and, and sort of see, oh, well, you know, here's the audience I want to reach. Tell me all the, sub, all the topics that they're interested in. Facebook doesn't show you that anymore. So in a lot of ways, SparkToro for those folks has kind of replaced the old Facebook audience insights tool. It's, it's become, oh, okay, well, I can go to SparkToro and SparkToro gets data from you know, public Facebook pages and accounts and Instagram pages and accounts and, and then, you know, and Twitter and LinkedIn and all these other places too, but really gives me that rich social data that I'm looking for so that I can say, oh, my customer targets use these hashtags. Great. I want to advertise against those hashtags. Uh, they follow these social accounts. Great. I want to advertise against those social accounts. They, ha- they have these topics and interests. Great. Let me start typing in and see if there's an interest category in Facebook's ad planner that lets me uh, overlap with that, with that interest. And so, yeah, it's, um, it's been very, very useful for building those groups when you can't, uh, if, you, if you are trying to target a group in that way, as opposed to sort of a retargeting or, or remarketing list. Uh, and that, yeah, that's that. That can be very, very effective. Facebook will even let you advertise against some public pages, but not all. So you know, you can you can plug some of those in via SparkToro, um, SparkToro's data. Uh, we have a bunch of folks who basically use this for list building. So now you can go to like the 
the Spark to our audience um, insights tab and, and text insights tab and click all the ones that you want and then export those to a CSV and use them in your whatever type of advertising um, you're doing. So can be quite effective. It's um, even pretty good for YouTube, right? Because since SparkTorch shows you YouTube channels that are popular with the audience you're after, you can then use those for targeting as well. That um, That's pretty handy. Yeah, I think, you know, when I first looked at it, that was one of the first things I thought of in terms of mm. how good it must be for helping to um, people to refine their audiences and the, the, just the data that they use for paid advertising to try it's, and reduce. It's funny how, and, you know, you can, be the, you can be the founder and creator of something and not realize how your own product could be useful, right? So this is, yeah, that's what happened to us. <laughs> and, what, and I guess it must have helped a lot of strategic partnerships with, you know, people finding out about other others in their industry or space or people that they're trying to reach and, sponsorship opportunities I know I, I mentioned we, we talked a little bit about podcasts but just that as another example so you know people businesses that are looking to um, sponsor a podcast so it helps the podcaster and the sponsor alike doesn't it podcasts getting I, podcast is one of those um, very strange mediums where the attention being paid is a hundred times more than the advertising dollars going to it Right, and that, that's quite unusual. But it's because um, it's because there's not much visibility into which podcasts are people listening to, and how much, and who are those people who are listening to that podcast. And so, even if you you know if you have a niche show that reaches you know a few hundred people every week or every month, and they're in a hard to reach niche, though that's an incredibly valuable audience because as as you and I both know, right, a podcast like the one we're doing right now, people listen, right? You, you were listening to the words. And so if, you know, if we come out endorsing pesto, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. people are like, Ooh, maybe I should make some pesto. Maybe I should pick up some basil at the, at the store. So, right. And it's, it's very, you know, it's, it's hard to skip an ad in a podcast. You're it, it's captive. It's usually read by the host. It tends to be a very engaging endorsement or, or what have you. And um, the same is true for guests. Right. So pitching to be a guest on a podcast or sponsoring a show, even a small one, can have remarkable impacts. Uh, for us, for SparkToro, podcasts are one of our primary marketing channels. And this was an unanticipated result of basically early in SparkToro's use um, or SparkToro's development. I went in there and used it for our own marketing, found a bunch of podcasts, reached out to a bunch of podcast people. Luckily, right, I have sort of an industry presence. And so pitching to be a guest on a podcast or being like, hey, maybe we should do an episode together sometime, got a lot of positive responses. And, and that meant that a ton of people, when we asked them, hey, how'd you hear about SparkToro? They said, I, I heard a podcast with Rand, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's, it's a crazy effective tactic. And, and the, I think the, the industry just has a long way to go in terms of making that data available so that people know that they can sponsor those um, and pitch them because 
man, the ROI is just unbeatable. And it, I mean, what's it's kind of the gift that keeps on giving because if you find out that you got a really good reaction from a particular podcast, you can use your own tool to go on there, look at who who else who listens to podcasts similar to that podcast, <laughs> and then because you know there's a you know if there's a bit of a crossover, then that other podcast is going to have a lot of similar people, but they don't or listen to the other podcast. So there's a good crossover. So you can start to, you know, see the patterns, can't you? And yeah. Yeah. You've got to take, um, you've got to take the podcast like social account or the host's social account and plug that in to spark Toro, but that it does it, that works like a charm. Um, and then the, the other thing I was going to say about, um, podcasts in, in, in particular, um, is that the, the rates tend to be extremely affordable. Like there's just, you know, if you want to reach that many people um, via whatever, a local TV ad, it's going to be 10 or a hundred times more expensive. Um, and then there's the production cost as well. Yeah. Uh, I also love the fact that if, you know, when I'm on a podcast, very often the host will produce a videogram or an audiogram. And that becomes great content to share out you know, across my social channels or to put on our website. Um, I've had positive reactions and people playing with and going and trying out SparkToro um, just from those videograms. Yeah, right? exactly. It, yeah. Oh, there's, it's such great repurposing of content. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like that's, you know, that's what we, that's what we, we love to do. So as a business, we work with, um, with podcasts and, and videos as video or podcasts, yeah. but we, we take the snippets and, you know, create lots of additional content and you're right. If, if guests are on a podcast, um, it doesn't just benefit the podcast themselves, but it benefits the guests to have that content. And of course it's all just all helping each other then because the guest sharing, it's content for the guests, but also it it does promote the show too in 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 a certain yeah. way. So I, I love yeah. that it's the best kind of marketing, right? The best kind of marketing to me doesn't feel very much like marketing. Yeah, it just feels like people are having a great conversation. They're solving each other's problems. They're talking about something that they love. They're talking about something that helped them and that they're passionate about. That's great, right? Yeah. Human beings having conversations and helping one another, wonderful, right? If you make something good, marketing should feel like you're just helping people. Yeah, exactly. Um, which is a great segue into the kind of topic that I wanted to just end on. Didn't want to end the show without asking you. So with Spark Toro, what was your marketing approach? So what has been your marketing approach for getting it out into the, we talked obviously about the guesting on podcasts and all of that side of things, but is there any other particular approach. Um, I particularly yeah. want to ask you about whether you're going to bring back whiteboard Fridays, but for <laughs> <laughs> for the Spark Tarot side yeah, of things, I, I have a whiteboard right over there, and I just have to point the camera that way, and then figure out the glare issues. Um, so, let's see. With Spark Toro specifically, because we are, to your point, creating a category. Right? There's not. Um, you know, audience research at scale from social and web data sources, that is not something people know to look for. Um, and the problems that we solve, people generally don't know to look for either. So we had to essentially do exactly what our product helps our customers do, which is what I've been calling influence marketing. Influence with no R, 
right? Yeah. Take away the R. Because, <laughs> um, you know, Amy, the problem, I think seven years ago, eight years ago, if we said influencer marketing, most marketers who are listening to us now would, would think, ah, influencer marketing in whatever, 2012, 2011, that meant go find all the sources of influence that reach your customers and do marketing of all kinds there, paid or organic co-marketing, outreach, podcast guesting, whatever it is, sponsorship, blah, 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 blah. But now influencer marketing has come to mean, you know, find person with six pack abs on Instagram who takes off their shirt at beaches and have them pose with your product and pay them $500. And that, I, you know, the, the sort of whatever, attractive young people, half naked uh, influencer, that's not what the kind of marketing that we do I haven't done any of that. I know I know it works for some brands, but it's not my my jam. So I but I love old school, you know, what used to be influencer marketing. So I'm just taking away the R. And that's essentially what I do. So I do a lot of finding people, publications, social accounts, LinkedIn and Twitter have both been really big drivers for us. Um, Reddit, some subreddit communities have been drivers of traffic for us, lots of blogs and um, industry websites in the marketing universe, lots of podcasts, live streams, um, a ton of online events since, since COVID. Uh, all of those have been big, big contributors to SparkToro's growth. And when you look at our traffic sources, you know it's just wild to see that search engine optimization, SEO traffic is almost nothing. Like literally our Google traffic, if you take away our branded search terms, which essentially just people going to Google and typing SparkToro itself, we have almost no search traffic whatsoever. Everything is social, blogs, content, type in, referral, you know, people who've listened to us. Um, and that has been relatively effective. We've got about 35,000 free users right now. And, you know, my suggestion to everyone is, Go play with the free account. Doesn't cost you anything. It's it's ten searches per month every every month, right? So you you know you can keep getting them. Um, if you run out, you can email me, <laughs> and and you can really get a sense of the product through through that. Um, and then you know if if a whole bunch more data is useful to you and you recognize that, great. You know there's paid options. I, I think it starts at like fifty bucks a month, so relatively inexpensive. But this um, that freemium model plus influence marketing. Has what's driven is is what's driven almost all of our growth, and we're yeah I think we're closing in on seven hundred maybe six hundred fifty customers right now. And is it still really a lean operation? Because I, I know it has been <laughs> quite just lean. Just the two of us. It's just the two of wow. us still. But we so uh, but we use a lot of agencies and consultants. Yeah. Like, so not only are agencies and consultants a lot of our customers, we also use agencies and consultants in all sorts of ways. Um, for, for everything from like finance to design to art to um, marketing. And uh, we're, we're probably going to do some content and SEO work with an agency pretty soon here. So it, I, I love using agencies. They, you all are so much more talented than anyone, you know, like you can get the best expertise in the world for a few hours or you can have full time and, you know, you've got to train those people up and, and there's retention issues and, I mean, the cost of healthcare in the United States. I don't, yeah. I mean, Amy, it's a full-time salary for someone's healthcare just yeah, by itself. Yeah, I know, I know. For us as an agency, that's the, you know, often the what I explain with 
for what you pay monthly, you've got our entire creative team and oh it's about God. the same as one fairly, you know, junior member of the staff without paying their healthcare as well. It's yeah. I haven't true, even factored right. that. You've just given me a new, <laughs> a new, oh, oh I didn't even think it's like, I just say it's the equivalent of a fairly junior team member, but without, yeah, without the benefits and the pension and all of that, as well as the healthcare. So yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do, what about support though? Is, is it is support outsourced as well then? Or Yes. Yes. It's outsourced directly to this person right You're here. You're the support function, are you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I am. I, I should. I shouldn't discount Casey. Casey probably does about yeah. 10, 20 percent of the support, mm-hmm. and I do the other eighty or ninety percent. He does. He does those almost almost all the tech end of the support. Um, but uh, Casey's sort of a. He's he's a very thoughtful and also very grumpy engineer, and this is an excellent combination. You might think that you don't want grumpy in your engineers, but you really do because grumpy engineers will build processes and systems to avoid ever having a problem twice, right? They don't want to deal with a problem more than once. So if something has been highlighted to Casey, he will make sure it is fixed and nobody else has that problem because he yeah. doesn't want any more support emails. Yeah. <laughs> I never want to have that conversation again. <laughs> I'll and stay up all night to fix that. <laughs> I mean, we were, we were pretty sure, you know, a year ago, based on our amount of support that we would need to have a full-time, another full-time team member by this time. And what's actually happened is support tickets have gone down because Casey essentially fixes every problem, mm. you know, as it comes in. And then yeah. there's fewer new problems. So we just... You know, most of the emails that I get, honestly, um, and most of the people I'm supporting and helping all day are just folks who, hey, can you help me search to find the right audience for me? Can you help me apply this to my whatever Instagram ad campaign or to my, I want to do a co-marketing campaign. I'm trying to find podcasts to guest on. Like, do you have advice for that? That's most of what I help people with. Yeah, every, everything I suppose you can fix. It's either a technical fix or if it if it can be fixed through answering the question and producing a additional question yes, in the FAQ. producing content and then linking people to that. So yeah, I've filmed a bunch of video content that then we can point people to. That's been great too. Exactly. And then that content just lives on as, as it, as it grows, it keeps helping more and more people, doesn't it? So exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. It's a beautiful, beautiful cycle. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on to today's show. Um, I really do appreciate it. Um, I'm conscious of your time and I need to let you get on with your busy day ahead, I'm sure. So I'll, I'll put the link obviously to Spark Toro. And if you would like anyone to be connecting with you in any particular place, where would you like sure. to send people to? <laughs> sure. Yeah. So I am, uh, if you, if you want to follow me for sort of, you know, marketing stuff and, 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 uh, occasional politics stuff and tech stuff and me complaining about Google's monopoly, um, you can, you can follow me on Twitter where I'm at Randfish. Uh, and I also run the SparkToro blog where I blog once a week, usually on, Lots of topics related to content marketing. In fact, I, I have a uh, post, I think, going up probably tonight about how we wish marketing worked and then how marketing actually works. Um, so that's sparktor.com slash blog. Brilliant. Okay. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on. Obviously, I'll put the links everywhere. Um, everyone, do go check SparkToro. I can't think of anybody listening who will not benefit from it and I'm sure just think wow how does this witchcraft work it's amazing (laughs) so um, simple division (laughs) there's no fancy algorithms it's just crawling and getting the data Amy thank you so much for having me I really enjoyed our chat today oh thank you thanks Rand 
Okay, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed the show, then please subscribe on your favourite app so you never miss an episode. And you can also subscribe to the weekly content 10x newsletter to get the episode delivered to your inbox along with loads more tips and advice on repurposing, exclusive content news, offers and more. Head to content10x.com forward slash newsletter to become a content 10x insider. I promise you won't regret it. And if you want help with your repurposing, then check out our fully end-to-end content repurposing service here at Content 10X. I promise you're in good hands with us if you want to maximize your content, but leave the hard work to experts so that you can focus on your business. So just head to content10x.com to find out about everything that we could do to support you. And if you prefer a more DIY approach or you'd like to empower your team or just learn more about repurposing, then do get a copy of my book, Content 10X on Amazon and check out the Content 10X toolkit. That's at content10x.com forward slash toolkit. All that's left to say is thank you so much for listening to this week's episode and I'll catch you in the next one.